Welcome to Ask the Educator, a podcast brought to you by Healthmark Industries. Are you a sterile processing technician or manager? Maybe you work in infection prevention or biomedical engineering. Whether you're a frontline tech, endoscopy tech, OR nurse, or surgical services administrator, you undoubtedly have influence in medical device processing at your facility. In each episode, we speak with experts from the Healthmark Clinical Affairs team, industry leaders, or special guests from the trenches to answer your questions and bring you relevant industry information, equipping you for excellence in medical device processing. My name is Kevin Anderson, and I will be your host. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ask the Educator podcast. My name is Adam Okada. Kevin Anderson, our host, couldn't be here today, but we're going to go ahead and troop on without him. And we're going to be talking about uh, the webinar that we just did, which is called uh, Stories from the Trenches, You're Not Alone. We're going to be recapping that a little bit. And we're also going to be going into not just uh, talking about the webinar, but talking about issues that we have in the department and possible solutions for some of those issues. So with me on the podcast today, I'd like to welcome in Sharon Rojo. Sharon, hello. Hello. Melinda Elamari. Howdy. And Seth Hendy. Hey, everybody. How are you? So we're just going to be going through this, some questions here. Uh, you guys just did this webinar, which was outstanding. If you guys haven't seen it yet, uh, go check it out. It's on the Healthmark website under education and past webinars. You'll see it. Uh, really a lot of great visuals and a lot of great things that we talked about. But one thing, Sharon, I kind of wanted to talk about is why do you think the errors and flawed practices are occurring in our departments in the first place? There's a lot of reasons for this, a lot. And I think that each one of us is probably going to have uh, something to say about it. I'll just name a couple. The first one is not having the right tools to succeed. I always see that, you know, whether it's just not having the right magnification to not having the indicators right there and they're off to the very far right. So they forget to put them in trays. Um, and the other thing that stands out for me is just the process itself, the process, the flow, just the steps, they're in the wrong order of how it needs to be done, like to say putting a tray together or even in Deacon Town. Um, and also displacency um, with the team. You know, you end up doing the job so much, you just get into this rut and you just don't, I wouldn't say you don't care. You just get into a rut where you're just almost like a robot. So, but I know our other educators will definitely tell you a lot more. Yeah, Melinda, same question. Why do you think these errors are happening in our areas? I think it's also a lack of understanding on the whys that they're supposed to be doing things, right? Like, why are you telling me to put something over here on the left versus on the right, right? There's there's rationale for most things that we do um, according to standards and stuff like that. And I think, too, it's a lack of consistency in the sense of creating standard work around the processes, right? Like, okay, what, you know, I have a boroscope now. What do I boroscope? Do I boroscope everything or am I just boroscoping arthroscopy shavers at my facility? What exactly am I supposed to be doing? And if you don't have that standard work around procedures and processes, how do you hold people accountable to whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing or not? Just creating those standard work and understanding and education behind it. Yeah, standard work is huge because you have 
that that thing that you can always refer back to, this is the way we do things here. This is our policy or this is our practice of how we do things. And I think those errors do start occurring when there's that slight deviation. Somebody starts doing things just a little bit differently and then somebody else, they train somebody and that person does it just a little bit differently and you start moving away. And that's why that standard work is helpful because you can always refer back to that. This is the way we do things here. And Seth, what do you think? Why are, are errors and flawed practices happening? For sure, we've got two things against us, right, in, in, in sterile processing. And it is that the job is complex and it's only getting more so. The instruments are getting more complex. The, the processing tools that we use are getting more complex. And the one thing, the one constant that never seems to change in, in a practically ever-changing environment is there's not enough instruments and there's not enough time. So if you couple the fact that uh, this job is full of nuanced complexities, requires a bunch of critical thinking, many hundreds, if not thousands of decisions a day, and then those need to be done at lightning speed. It, it, it you know, and, and sort of as, as Sharon mentioned, you, you know, you, you just say, okay, well, I'm just doing what I've always done. And, and that seems to equate to speed, but, Usually that means that you're missing something. With that speed comes a lack of specificity, you know, and, and that's how things get missed. And that's how things get accepted as, as bad practice, but it's okay because I'm in a hurry. So there's no other option. You can justify it as no other option. I want to add on to like what Sharon was saying with the resources, like not having the tools, right? So we see this a lot with after COVID, the budget of hospitals, right? And so they don't want to provide the tools that are needed because they're, we can't afford that. We don't have the money for that. Um, and so just granted, you know, it might cost you umpteen amount of dollars to put a borescope at every workstation, but once again, the compliance rate of doing that is going to make, you know, going to be that much greater. And if you only have one, what is the chances of something going wrong? It's a much, you know, it's higher chance now. And then we start going into at what point do you say, was it worth it when you're being sued because of an issue? You know, and I hate to go back to that so much, but it's the truth, right? Like at what point do we say we have to provide them every workstation with the, you know, the insulation tester, a type of boroscope, um, some light and magnifiers and microscopes, like those key tools that they need. So I think that's a huge problem too that we face. It's funny because if you had a surgical site infection or some kind of outbreak happened in your hospital and you got in the news, I guarantee you the first place they would go is they'd stop in sterile processing. What do you need to make this not happen again, right? They'd fix a problem that they could have fixed earlier by just giving us the tools we need, but they wait until something bad happens. And then all of a sudden the budget opens up and now we can buy things, but it, it's backwards. We need to be thinking more proactively. And honestly, when we look at a sterile processing workstation, it should look like a laboratory workstation, microscopes and boroscopes and all these kinds of tools it, it's not just that we're just inspecting these things with our eyes anymore. We have to have these tools to help us with that. And with the complexity, like like Seth was talking about, Sharon, I'm going to throw this question to you. When you're a new leader, where can you start to identify these practices that need to be fixed? Because I've been a new manager and sometimes there's so many things that I want to fix, but you can't do it all at once. Where can a new leader start to identify where they should begin that process? 
It's about the severity of it. So depending on what that is, you start there. And it might be the biggest one that you're going to tackle, but it's for patient safety. So sorry to tell you, it's not the easy, quick ones. You need to start where the biggest issue is. For an example, if you, you're a new leader, you just started at this new facility, and you see horrible staining on instruments and flakes and whatever, I'm sorry, it, it, that needs to be looked at and addressed. So really, it starts from the top of severity of patient safety. Yeah. And I talked about this during the webinar. Like I walked into a department, and I saw rat traps on the ground. So that was an immediate, like, I'm going to start there because that's obviously a major red flag. There's other things going on, right? Uh, Melinda, what do you think? One of the key factors and the key part places to start is getting on board your um, higher ups, right? Your C-suites and then also the surgeons. Going to surg like meetings such as like your surgical exec meetings where they all meet and just presenting, you know, do do a 20 minute presentation, get on their schedule, go into their your meetings, sit in a couple of them, get on their schedule and then present to them what SPD does. Do it in bites, right? Do it in little pieces. We're not eating an elephant but we're just doing chunks, right? We're just want to do pieces of that and um, start, you know, start with decontam. This is what happens in decontam because most of the surgeons and most of the C-suite, they have no idea what happens in that sterile processing department. So getting them to understand that and getting them on board of comprehending what's going on is huge with trying to move forward these initiatives that you're trying to implement. And until you have that buy-in, you're going to keep banging your head against the wall. Yeah, and IP is your friend. Infection prevention. The, so the C-suite has a very good idea of what infection prevention is. It's in their name, right? And we're part of that process too. But until we can actually loop them in, I think sometimes there's a disconnect between what the C-suite thinks we do and what IP knows that we do, which is preventing infections. So yeah, getting IP involved is huge for that. Seth, same question over to you. I had somebody ask me one time, how, how, how do I get resources? Uh, I, you know, I'm trying to do something. How do I get resources? Um, and I said, act like a clinician. Now, I know that no one ever told any SPD professional that they were a clinician. And that's not maybe the technical you know, definition that everybody thinks of. But we have certifications. We're, we're showing basis of knowledge. We do have a complex set of, of rules and procedures to follow. And so what would somebody do in that setting if they wanted something on a nursing floor? Well, they would do their research, right? They, you know, so, so you come to this problem. If, if you walk up and say, I have a problem, somebody says, great. And what would you like me to do? Right. And if your first answer is, um, they're done. They're done with you. They've thought, oh, you know, so be that subject matter expert. Now, you may not have to formulate a complete plan that might take a multidisciplinary committee. It may, you know, but if you come up to some and, and sort of stomp your feet and say, I have this problem. And they say, great. Well, what's your plan to fix it? And you say, um, right, we're done. So, so that's, my, you know, that's, that's where you start. Identify your problem. And at least get your hands around understanding it fully, 
And then from there, you can say, well, look, I'm not maybe not sure what all resources are available to me. I may be not sure of some things, but I am sure of this. This is the problem. I think I've identified the root cause and let's go forward. And I think the farther forward you can plan, the more someone's like, wow, you know, Adam really, he really thought about this. So act that way, right? We're subject matter experts, act like it. Having a plan is definitely a huge part of this. Sharon, when we're talking about resources, as a leader, when you're looking at at the things you need to fix, what resources do we have available? Because sometimes I knew as a manager, I felt like I was completely alone. Like it was up to me to fix these things that I had no plan and I had no way to, nobody to reach out to, but there are resources. What resources do we have to identify these gaps in our practice? Again, there's a lot. So I know all of us educators will have different spins on it. I think the first one that, that I think of is, you know, looking at your vendors and using your your vendors to help you educate and do walkthroughs. I mean, there's times I reach out to vendors where they were, they tested my water for free. Um, I've had vendors where they had just like us, where we provide, you know, a full or targeted CPR audit um, of the facility, you know, to go with you while you're doing it, not necessarily have them just come do it by themselves, but you're walking with them. Um, and also education in general, you know, it's not just about the in-servicing. There's some vendors that offer not just an in-service, it's like a full, like half day thing. I remember, I think it was IMS that came out, right, Melinda? They mm-hmm. have that um, instrument, I forgot what they call it, but it's like, you got the book, you got the homework, you know? So I think utilizing your vendors, that'd be the first one. Melinda, same question over to you. I think utilizing your vendors is an amazing point. Like definitely some people forget. Utilizing resources that are out there, such as articles that are written, right? Like, so if you're trying to push forward the use of, hey, we need boroscopes or we need, you know, an insulation tester, we, we're going to look at numbers, right? Like that's what the hospital does. They look at numbers, but okay, let's look at numbers. But what is the evidence backing up that we need this, right? So utilize those resources that are out there, those articles, those um, things that are, you know, information that you can utilize, especially like standards and stuff, knowing your standards and pulling those standards. We go into facilities a lot and we see so many times they just have, you know, maybe ST79 and we're like, okay, well, you do chemical sterilization, you need ST58. You do flexible scopes, you need ST91. And they have no idea that those standards are even out there. Um, So utilizing your resources that are out, you know, industry-wise, and then also people, you know, that's a huge thing is utilizing your people that you have. Yeah, train the trainer is a big one, right, Melinda? I think that is a big piece that would definitely be a big resource. Yep. And Seth, uh, same question over to you. What resources can we use to to fix some of the gaps that we see? Use your big brain. Okay. I'm I'm serious. Slow down and think about it. Okay. I um it was interesting. Some someone asked me for a uh for the ability to to deliver a report. They said, Well, I've sort of identified a gap and I've done some auditing and now I want to deliver it out to somebody. Do, do we have a form? And they were asking if HealthMark had a form. And I said, well, no, we don't really have a form. But I went on Google. I, I like, I, you know, this is, I'm, I'm serious. And I said, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, reporting tool. 
And then I found one that came in a free PDF template that could be, you know, and the, and sort of the worst thing I was like, well, I'm not a rocket scientist. I didn't, you know, this, I didn't make this. I am not some kind of data reporting expert, but there are tools, there are things. And it, and it, and sometimes it takes going, okay, like I'm going to think about this for a second. And then there are things, you know, uh, and then the other thing is if your hospital does any of them, we were not a Six Sigma place where I was, but they did uh, PDCA training and things like that. So there's the other, I, you know, so if somebody says, hey, do you know, there's a class on Excel, we'll t take that, right? And those, you know, then you start to use those tools to identify gaps, to report data, and it moves forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, using the, I always thought of it like as a manager, if I had time in the office where I could sit and think about things, I'm sure people would say that was wasted time where I'm just thinking about solutions. But honestly, it's not because you're coming up with these ideas of, okay, what's the problem? Where are my tools? What are my resources? How do we tackle what can be really big issues? So I appreciate you guys uh, giving me some answers on some of these questions about issues in the department and where we can start and things that we can do. Uh, any final thoughts, Sharon, I'll send it over to you. Any final thoughts before we adjourn for the day? The first thing for me would be don't tackle it all. Okay. It Remember it's bits and pieces. Like Melinda had brought that point up. It's like you take bits and pieces of that pie. Obviously you may be a little bit bigger piece in the beginning because you have to look at severity and patient safety, but do not tackle the whole thing. You'll just, It'll just be too much. You're going to either shut down or not do it right and get frustrated. So just do one piece at a time. One piece at a time is great advice. If you try to do everything, I guarantee you're going to start dropping things here and there. Um, you can't just do, you can't do too many things at once. Got to focus on what's important first. Uh, Melinda, same question. Any final thoughts for leaders? Utilize the staff that you have. Give them tasks. Help build them. Like once again, I, we talked about this on the webinar. You are doing them an injustice by not giving them some extra activities to do, some things to help them grow and learn further. Assign them something and say, okay, you know, we need you to look up why it's important to utilize a borescope for arthroscopy shavers, right? Like something. And, and we want you to teach the other people like, you know, or give that information to the educator, whatever it may be, but utilize the staff that's involved and have them be a part of the solution, have them be part of the ownership of that department. Yeah, I remember I did that uh, early on in my career. I was asked to do an education for the staff, and I was a year in. I didn't know anything, um, but I chose laparoscopics because I knew that they were kind of complex, and we'd just gotten third generation, and it was kind of a new thing. So I, I taught the staff about the insulation, about the insulation tester and how to use it, la, la, la. And honestly, like, the information it gave me served me throughout my entire career, where I was kind of the expert at that wherever I went, just because I had done a couple hours worth of research to figure out why and the tools and things like that. And then I had to present it. So you become kind of an expert when you have to do that. And I think it kind of stretches people outside of their comfort zone. Techs are used to coming in and working at the workstation and going home. But if they really need to think about the why, then all of a sudden what they do becomes a little more important. So I like that answer. Uh, Seth, over to you. Any final thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, remove your blinders. Stop seeing your department and see a department. Because if you keep seeing your department, you will say, well, I've asked Bill to stop doing that six times and he didn't. 
so he won't, so I'm not going to. I asked facilities to fix the hole in the wall three times, but they haven't, so they're not going to, so I'm going to stop asking. And so that's, you know, it's almost the same thing as this is the way we've always done it. If, if you allow that mentality to sink in, then you don't see a department. You don't see errors anymore. Uh, you let your eyes slide past them because it's an initiative that already failed or someone that you find hard to deal with or you name it. The, those, those just become reasons not to try to fix it anymore, not to see it. And then you can quite literally stop seeing it. So re- take off your blinders. Yeah, I call them excuses, Seth. That's essentially what they are. Um, so thank you guys so much. I appreciate everybody's uh, participation. Thank you guys for listening. I do want to recommend you go check out the webinar, uh, Stories from the Trenches. You're not alone. These guys absolutely nailed it. Uh, great visuals on each slide talking about the pictures are worth a thousand words. So um, absolutely go check out the webinar. And thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters. Before using any medical device, it is important to review the device manufacturer's instructions for use.